Welcome to Exploring Possibilities. I'm your host, Cheryl Sitz. Since 2012, Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance and I have been airing inspiring, insightful conversations with all kinds of change agents who are raising the vibration on our planet. It's the intention of our show to explore possibilities and shift perspectives in holistic, spiritual ways. You'll hear how various industry experts discover and share their deepest passions to make a bigger difference in the world. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And do me a favor, please come back and rate the show so that new people can find us. We'll introduce our next guest in just a moment. Have you ever gone to a social media seminar and you have the online experts telling you, get a blog, get a website, get on social media, all this other stuff. By the time you're done with that seminar, that online expert is very good at frying your brain. The funny part is, you come back home, you get in front of the computer, and you're lost. Hi, I am Mario with Tech Life Balance. I see this all the time. You spend so much money and still don't know what is going on with your online presence. And you know, you probably don't need all of that. Let me go ahead and translate Geek to English for you and show you what you really need because you don't need it all. You probably only need a few components. You have a great message out there and I would like to hear it, and I definitely want to help you put it out there. I am Mario Rosales with TechLifeBalance.net. I produce this podcast because I love distributing messages. Let me help you distribute your message. Hi, it's your host, Cheryl Sitz. And when I'm not doing this podcast, I really enjoy coaching you on how you can have the life you really want. As creators of our own reality, there's a lot of ways that we can block ourselves, hold ourselves back, or just not get really clear on what it is we want. Once we do that, there is no stopping us. I'd love to help you do that. Get in touch with me at CherylSits.com. I just couldn't be happier to have the opportunity to visit with Michael Rachia. Transmedium Michael G. Rachia believes that the true purpose of spirit communications is not only to supply evidence of life after death, but also to offer a blueprint for a better life before death by providing highly spiritual perspectives that can make a vital, positive difference to the individual and the planet. Joseph, Michael's communicator, is a highly evolved spirit with powerful messages to shift mankind and conditions on earth. Joseph's books offer all the information needed to transform ourselves and our world before it's too late. You can find all of this online at josephspeaks.com and explore further. But today, I'm so delighted to welcome Michael. Thank you for joining us. A delight to be here, Cheryl. Thank you for inviting me. And I love the accent. I wish we were doing this live over there, but this will have to do. (laughs) (laughs) I love the books, but I don't want to jump ahead to all of that. Thank you. Thank you for doing this powerful work that is so vital right now. And I'm just curious to get to know you a little better, if that would be okay. That's absolutely fine. Wonderful. So tell me a little bit about kind of, well, I guess the big question that is on my heart and mind is, have you always been open to receiving messages from the other side? Or is this something that developed through your life? Yes, I've always been quite strange, Cheryl. (laughs) Uh, I was an unusual child in that from an early age, very early age, I uh, had a, a strange uh, view of death. Now, children of four and five don't really talk about death or consider death. They've got their whole life in front of them. But to me, I, it, it seemed pointless uh, that I should do anything because I was eventually going to die. 
So uh, I, I could push this uh, notion out of the way at times, but it, it kept coming back to me. And in tandem with this, certain things used to happen to me when I was a child. I would have precognitive dreams, for example. Uh, an example of, of one of those would be that uh, an aunt and uncle who traveled the world and I hadn't seen for years uh, were standing there on the doorstep. And that happened the day after. Or quite mundane things like uh, a parcel and a letter will arrive for you. Um, neither of those being something I was aware of consciously. And they would arrive on the following morning. I saw people sitting in my bedside chair when I woke up in the morning. And as you can imagine, I was, was quite uh, terrified to, to, to see that there was somebody there. And the person would slowly fade away. I received impressions uh, from places. Uh, I would walk into a museum, for example, and within a couple of minutes, I'd have to leave the museum because uh, the atmosphere was so oppressive. Crowds worried me. If I went into a city, it was as though all those minds were impinging on mine. It was very hard to take and quite exhausting. And uh, I was brought up uh, as a Catholic. My father was Catholic. My mother was a, a converted Catholic from uh, Protestantism. And uh, it was, you should be psychic or uh, should, should see spirit people. And, and so we didn't talk about it. But it wasn't until I was in my early 20s that it came into sharp focus through a, a traumatic time in my life. And I, I had to move away from the, the house I was living in for a while on doctor's orders and went to stay with my aunt and uncle at the seaside. And they were spiritualists. And on the Saturday evening of the first week when I was staying with them, they asked if I would like to accompany them to the local spiritualist church. Uh, I was in quite a nervous state at the time, and no, I didn't want to go and uh, sit there in a spiritualist church. Neither did I want to stay alone in the house. So the spiritualist church won, and I found myself sitting in a very pleasant room with some very pleasant uh, elderly ladies who were handing out cups of tea and biscuits, and um, a medium. Uh, stood up at the front of the, the room and began to talk to the people who were present. And either, I determined, she had gone through wallets and handbags prior to the service, or there was something going on here that I didn't quite understand. <laughs> About halfway through the service, she came to me and she said, uh, within five years, you'll be doing this. You'll be standing here. You'll be talking to people and, and contacting uh, discarnate spirits, relatives on their behalf. And how old were you um, at this and, point? Uh, sorry? How old were you at this point? I'm sorry. 26. Wow. I was 26. And um, I came away terrified, but also <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> because yeah. some part of me knew that what she was saying to me was correct and that it would happen. It actually took seven years. Uh, so she was off by two years, but I'll <laughs> forgive her that because she was a very good medium. I then began to actively seek out spiritualist churches, anything that would give me a greater insight into, into life, into the greater meaning of life. And I stumbled across by design rather than by accident, uh, an open circle, that is a, a gathering of people um, that would uh, come together every week to develop their psychic, their spiritual, their mediumistic gifts. Um, and I became great friends with the medium, Bruce, who's now moved on to, um, to the spiritual spheres. I became great friends with him. But one 
particular Wednesday evening as we met, uh, a lady came in and sat opposite me. And I thought, I know you. And I'd never seen her before consciously in my life. You're a nurse, I thought. And again, I, I, I hadn't met her previous to this. Uh, we got talking afterwards. And it turned out that she had been a, a, a nurse during the Second World War. She invited me to her home. I met her husband, who became like a, a second father to me. And she said, look, you have a gift. She said, I've been sitting in this house to develop my gift for 20, 30 years. I will, if you are willing to sit with me once a week, I will teach you to understand what is happening to you, to understand the sights and the sounds that are coming to you. And um, she said, it will be a, a tough experience. It will be a disciplined experience. And I will only do it if you wish to do this, not for yourself, but for others. And so I agreed. It was exactly what I wanted to hear, exactly what I wanted to do. And so I sat with Joan, for it was she, for seven years, every Sunday. I was then, at the time I was working for an advertising agency, couldn't find much time during the week for, for spiritual matters. And over the course of those seven years, uh, it was brought about by the spiritual spheres, by the personalities that came to us, that visited us, that both she and I could see Claire buoyantly and hear Claire audiently the same people. You can imagine what confidence that gave me. Wow. Rather than starting cold, she would begin a message or a communication. I could then take it over and end the communication. And we could both see the same people. And at the end of that seven-year period, I began working for spiritualist churches. I, I traveled the length and breadth of the country. And at one point was working for 54 different churches every year, doing two services each for them. But it became apparent to me after a few years working in this fashion that the same people were coming for the same reasons. They weren't prog progressing. They weren't evolving. They were receiving messages from their relatives and they weren't looking beyond that. And I wanted to understand what was going on, why mediumship was as it was. How did it function? What was its meaning? If communication was coming from another sphere, what was that sphere like? Why was the communication there at all? Because if we're going to die, which we are, we're all on the same route, we're all moving in the same direction, surely they could explain everything when we got there. Why this push for communication? And so uh, on two occasions after working, I think, eight years and then a further eight year stint um, professionally as a medium, I became so disillusioned with the need of the congregation to only look at um, relatively simple messages that I stopped for a while, not realizing that mediumship, uh, like spirituality, the, the quest for spirituality, actually evolves. And my mediumship was uh, evolving. And one day, I regularly visited Joan, who had become like a second mother to me, and as, as close as family to me. And I thought I knew all about her, everything about her. And one day, she looked very sad and revealed to me that she had been a trans medium and that she had sat with a, a very close friend of hers who had scribbled down the communications that came through Joan longhand and that this wonderful, exquisite, uh, useful 
information had come through from a personality that she described as the man in red. That's the nickname, the name tag that they gave to this uh, spirit personality. And she was, Joan was upset because her friend, Betty, who had uh, transcribed the trans uh, sessions, had died suddenly. And at her funeral, her daughter, Betty's daughter, came up to Joan and said, look, is there anything you want from my mother? Anything that would be of, of use to you to remember her by? And Joan said, I would really love that book that uh, we uh, transcribed the trans sessions into. And the daughter said, that's the work of the devil. I burnt it. It's now on the back of the fire. And Joan was devastated because all this information of, of use to mankind was seemingly lost. And as she was sitting there telling me about this, I suddenly thought to myself, well, <laughs> I've been working as a medium for some years. Surely, or hopefully, I should be able to connect to the man in red and bring through this information once again. And so I suggested this to Joan and her face brightened and she said, we'll begin sitting next week. And I said, well, I have a friend, David, who's a, a member of the Band of Light, who is very eager to sit with me uh, as part of a spiritual project. And I rather get the feeling that I should sit with him on this occasion. And she said, fine, go ahead, see what happens. And so David at the time had a, a dark attic room and we retreated to that, pulled out the phones put on an old-fashioned reel-to-reel cassette recorder, and the first awkward, and I say awkward because the link had to refine itself, the first awkward uh, connection with Joseph was made. That was a clear audience connection in that Joseph spoke to me. At that point, we didn't know his name. And I would repeat the words, and we would record them. And very quickly, after we'd done this two or three times on separate occasions, it became apparent that what we were receiving was something extremely important, that we couldn't sit on it. We, we had to get it out into the world uh, somehow. Uh, around that time, I connected with my other half, and I, I mean that quite sincerely, uh, Jay. Uh, we got together, and at that point, there was a burst of spiritual energy that enabled me bringing through clairvoyant and clairaudient information. And for a couple of years, almost daily, we were visited by personalities, spirit personalities that I recognized from my time sitting with Joan, who began to prepare us for the um, Joseph communications that were to come, who began to talk about all aspects of life, the universe and everything in great detail. Uh, and in wonderful words, but again, we, we recorded and thought we will have to get these out in some way. Around that time, my mediumship then changed from, uh, it was announced to me that I was going to go into trance. Following uh, an operation that wasn't explained to me, a surgical operation when I was a child, I've had a fear of losing consciousness, losing control. And so whilst I agreed to going into trance, the prospect of going into trance, from my point of view, ignorant point of view, as it turns out, uh, was, was quite frightening because I thought that I would lose consciousness. <laughs> and I'd got a couple of trance demonstrations uh, lined up by a, a, a local church, a local spiritualist church. And as the dates came closer, I became more and more anxious. And I needn't to worry 
Because uh, on the way back from a holiday, Jane and myself, Jane was driving, thank goodness, I was suddenly pulled into a trance state by one of the guides, one of the guiding influences that, who works with me. And I found myself, as I was talking to Jane, but not being aware of doing that, I found myself in a wonderful cathedral, beautiful, beautiful place. And there was a statue of an angel in front of me. And as I looked at the statue, this, this wonderful sculpture, I could see it moving. And I became fascinated by this and moved closer to it. All the time, still talking to Jane with the uh, intentions and the words of the guide who was working through me in trance. I then saw a door uh, to the side of the uh, angelic statue. And I thought, if I go through that door, I'm off. I'm away, I'm dead, and it's wonderful, it's so easy. <laughs> and so I moved towards the door. At that point, the spirit who was working through me said to Jane, who was still driving, uh, just a moment, he's moving somewhere that I don't want him to move, I'll be back. <laughs> and he appeared in front of me and said, where do you think you're going? And I said, through that door, and he said, no, no, turn around and come back. And he brought me out of trance, and then immediately, another guiding influence took me back into trance. And this time I found myself on the, the bank of a, uh, on a grassy bank overlooking the most wonderful landscape. And there were buildings in the distance that seemed to be made out of purple stone. And the, the guide who was talking through me at that time was also sitting next to me uh, on this uh, gra grassy bank. And I spoke for uh, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and I was then brought back out of trance, bewildered, but reassured, because during that time I hadn't lost consciousness. And so I lost my fear of, of working as a trance medium. I did the two trance uh, demonstrations, and then the Joseph uh, uh, communications began to gather speed. And the way in which the communications were received by me changed from a clairaudient link, whereby, as I've said, I, I listened to him and then uh, recorded the words, to uh, a trance uh, communication, whereby me uh, was taken out of the way and Joseph could more effectively use the time uh, for communication because I hadn't got my troublesome mind there that might get in the way and color and influence and lessen the communications. Uh, and that's the way it's been uh, since that time. And we're now on our seventh book. We're working on our seventh book. Well, may I ask you, that, that's such an amazing story. I'm filled with questions. But one of the most immediate recent to what you were discussing is, do you go into another place such as you did that time each time that you communicate with Joseph now? No, a variety of things happen. Sometimes I go to another place. Sometimes I'm aware of standing outside of myself, as it were, as though I'm looking over my own shoulder. And when that happens, I always think that I can influence my own body because Joseph is gesticulating and speaking through me. And I think I can get in there and I can influence this at any time that I wish. And I can stop this at any time that I wish, but I can't. <laughs> I can't get back in my body. I certainly can't stop the speech. I can't stop my hands moving. Uh, and very often at the end of a, a trance session, I will feel myself uh, as the end of the communication 
comes closer. I can feel myself being pulled closer to my physical body. And then there is a moment of semi-awareness, as though I'm hovering somewhere, as though I'm standing on a ledge or uh, floating somewhere. And I think, right, time to open your eyes, Michael, and I can't do that either. <laughs> and then I'll take an intake of breath, and I can open my eyes, but sometimes, as in last Saturday when we last sat, parts of my body won't move until I can get my um, spiritual body back into my physical body. My legs wouldn't move on Saturday. So I had to ground myself, and then I could see my spirit legs, as it were, being pulled back into the physical legs, and then I could uh, move again. <laughs> wow. An interesting experience. Especially for, as you admitted earlier, someone who struggled to release that need to control the body yes. in the situation. Was it just that it took you over and you realized that release of control could be beautiful? Is that how you overcame that, or do you still struggle with that? I still struggle with it. I overcame it in that we are, in the band of light, we are aware of how important the communications are. And if you are tasked with bringing through information that changes the world for the better and gives people spiritual freedom, then really th th there's no choice. In conscience, that's the only thing that you can do. And so it's a matter of each time saying, right, Father, right, God, right, divinity, however you wish to, to uh, define the, the, uh, the spiritual process that runs through us all. I don't know what I'm doing, but you do. Off we go. And uh, hope that I come back. And I have thus far. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, as you say, a responsibility. It is not something it can be played with, but it's very serious. I mean, the things that you are bringing through will change the world. And we will talk more about those in the interview that we're doing in our magazine. But I'm so delighted that you agreed to spend this time just to share with us about the process of bringing these messages through as you channel or as a medium, if somebody feels like they have these gifts and there is a philosophy that we all have them, we just have or haven't developed them to whatever degree, is there a first step that we might take to start to receive our own guidance in a clearer way? Yes. The, the first step is to become still for a time each day. We have such a, a busy world at the moment. We are using technology at the moment. But technology is all around us. Uh, speed is all around us. And uh, we're being sold things all the time. We are told to act in a certain way all the time. And the world doesn't want us to stop. The field of human uh, consciousness doesn't want us to stop. You have to stop. You have to stop the merry-go-round ride and get off in order to communicate with your greater self and to allow the communicators who wish to communicate through you and to you to reach you. And so the first step is to become still, to learn how to meditate. And people don't like that word, meditation. <laughs> that's frightening. That's something I've got to do. That's floating on clouds and you know, <laughs> repeating the same word for an hour and a half and sitting in the same position. And it's not, it's not that at all. It's, if you will, daydreaming with a positive attitude. It's a creative space. It's a time to explore who you are. So that's, that's an important first step. But the, the other important first step is to decide why you want to do this. You know, there, there are different reasons for, for, for being a medium. One of the reasons is, please God, to, to help mankind. But another reason is that it makes you look important in, in certain people's eyes. 
And you have to avoid that trap. You have to say, I'm doing this because there's a greater good that I can bring through to mankind. Unless you are prepared to do that, forget it. Mediumship is not about the self. You're not going to receive messages that tell you what to do on a certain day. Your life isn't going to be any less challenging than anyone else's life. Uh, You are doing this because you have been tasked to do it and because there is a spiritual purpose. And then the third step is to say, I need a teacher, Father. I need a teacher, divinity. I need somebody who can give me the discipline to understand myself and the discipline to, uh, to, to work mediumistically, to, to see, uh, to, to understand and interpret the visions that I'm being given, to understand when I'm listening to someone or when it's my imagination, to understand when I can tune in and when I can't, to understand when it's right to work and when it isn't. Uh, and I need that person, Father. Please connect them to me and me to them, and off we go. But no request no earnest request to work spiritually for the good of all is ignored by the divinity within you and by the people who are around you from the spiritual spheres. It will happen, but you have to be patient and there are a lot of pitfalls and you have to wait for the right person to appear and you have always to be comfortable with what you're doing. And if something doesn't feel right to you, you shut down that area and you concentrate on the areas that do feel right, do work, and do bring light and comfort and understanding to people. That's such powerful wisdom right there. That very last piece is, I mean, all of it. I'm just, I'm over here singing, yes, 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 yes. But at the very end, to focus on what is working, that is at the heart of everything powerful that we can do here on earth. Focusing on what works and expanding that as opposed to paying so much attention to what's wrong and what's broken. We need to observe that and then focus on what's good and expand that. And that's that's right aligned with the Joseph communications. I love them. I love the messages. Tell me a little bit about, you said you went from one guide to another guide in your trance state the first time. How many guides do do we have? Does it vary with individuals? I get those kinds of questions a lot, like how much support do yes. we have from the other realm? I, I suppose it does vary from individual to individual. The guides that work with me, and it's a strange word, guides, but I can't find a better one. The associates, the, the friends, the, 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 the members of my soul family. From the time that I uh, began to sit with Joan to the present, have invariably worked in order that we can do the work. So they are not usually, except in extreme cases, there for me. They are there to forward the mission, to evolve uh, the mission. And so there are certain personalities that I know. There's one, for example, we call the Persian gentleman. We call him the Persian gentleman because he, in one lifetime, came from Persia and is an absolute gentleman. And so it seemed an excellent name for him. He has been with me since before my birth, preparing for the, the mission that we're undertaking at the moment. Uh, there are other guides that I see according to uh, what is needed at the time. Uh, there is a guide who was a, a Mayan priest, and he will come in uh, and talk about matters with regard to healing, and healing the world, healing people, healing ourselves. And so each of these personalities comes in with a specific purpose, but they are all linked and they are linked and united 
in uh, creating the atmosphere uh, within which Joseph can operate. Now, Joseph isn't a guide. He's not one of my guides. People ask me, you know, what, what's Joseph like as a guide? He's not a guide. He is a spokesperson for the millions of souls who unite to bring this information uh, through to earth uh, and through to mankind. And Joseph doesn't talk about my life in any way, shape or form. He comes in, he delivers the communications, he leaves. And the Persian gentleman that I mentioned earlier is the one responsible for setting up the energies around me during uh, the time for which Joseph is speaking and for collapsing those energies at the end of each session. So yes, we, we all have guiding influences and we are all part of a soul group, different soul groups, not the same soul group. We have a family out there and I can only speak from my experience, but I, I feel that the guiding influences that come to us as we progress spiritually are part of that family. They are the people who are harmonically, uh, harmoniously closest to us in intent. And so it's easiest for them to communicate uh, with us. That's not to say that we as mediums are not um, contacted by uh, other people on behalf of the people that we sit with and, and talk to. We are contacted by many relatives uh, of, of the of many departed relatives who wish to get in touch with those who are still on earth. But there is, um, there is a, a sequence to that. The relative talks not directly to me, but has to go through one of my guides who protects me to make sure that the information reaches me, but perhaps not some of the vibrations that will be detrimental to my working as a medium. So Joseph is a representation, a collective of millions of souls being discarnate or incarnate or both? They are discarnate. Okay. Uh, Joseph exists. He, he is a personality, but he's the first to say, I speak for millions of souls. I have been chosen as the eloquent one, the one who is best suited to get this information through. Uh, but I speak for the whole soul group and for many other soul groups who are concerned for our future and concerned that we are not aware of our spiritual heritage, are not aware that we are uh, spiritual beings, are not aware that our thoughts, our intents uh, are transmitted from us and become reality. And these are important messages to say, look, you're not someone who traverses this earth from point A to point B and then dies. There's so much more to it than that. You are so much more than that. You are a wonderful, beautiful, spiritual being. You are part of God. You are part of divinity. And you are part of every other spiritual being that you meet. You're part of everyone around this globe. And it is time to stop fighting. It's time to become peaceful and harmonious. It's time to stop polluting the earth. And it's time to turn the earth back into what it was before so many millions of years of pollution by the way that we live. And by pollution, you mean thoughts as well yes. and feelings. Yes, I mean mental pollution, yes. yes. Because we perpetuate that which we believe to be true. Uh, if you look at society, society uh, is based on telling us that we are dependent on it. Society is, is based on telling us that as we progress through life, uh, we become uh, disabled, we become less mentally acute, 
Uh, we need uh, certain things. A society tells us that we need all kinds of things, all kinds of material things. Society asks us to invest in materiality all the time and pushes out the spiritual aspects of our being. And we have to, we don't stop being spirit people simply because we buy into materiality. But we do ignore our roots and we do ignore this wonderful potential we have for change. And if we're united in bringing in spiritual light to this world via our heart centers, we would change this world. And we look at this world and say, isn't it terrible? We're still fighting each other. There's still poverty. Uh, there's still lack. There's still violence. But we can change those things. And we'll never change them on a physical level. Because we're spiritual beings, we have to go back to our roots and change them on a spiritual level. We have to emanate, we have to project a different world, a different way of being, a different attitude to each other. And we create those things in light. And they will then take the place of the broken society, the broken world that we have at the moment. The messages throughout the books do such a great job of painting these pictures, and they come through so powerfully. And Mario and I actually read the books together to each other. He'll read and I'll listen and then I'll read and he'll listen. And then we talk about it. And that's such a great way to get these messages because it brings the vocal vibration in too. And and we just have gotten at a, a much deeper level through experiencing these books, how really our soul has created, has come into this body to create on earth this light and this love and this higher vibration that all the books speak about that Joseph teaches. That's why we're here. And we get so distracted in the busyness of everything else, which sure, it can be a fun place to get distracted in, but we can't lose focus of why we came here. I believe we're here to bring the light to this place through our bodies, through our thoughts, through our experiences. And the books teach this beautifully. Is this your full-time work now? Is this all that you do? Yes, it is. From, uh, it was a recent decision to, to become full-time at this. Uh, I should add at this point that we do not take anything from proceeds from the books. Uh, it's a, a not-for-profit situation in that all proceeds from the books go back into further advertising, uh, further publishing, and further promotion, uh, uh, creating awareness of the existence of the Joseph Communications. And I don't mean that to sound evangelical, because we see our mission as, one, making the information available, in other words, bringing it through, two, publishing it, and three, creating awareness. It's then down to the individual to decide for themselves whether the Joseph message, whether the communications are suitable for them or not. In other words, we deliver it to someone's doorstep, it's then up to them. Uh, there is free will throughout this universe and we don't want to interfere with that. We hope that people will take on board what's being said and what is coming through, uh, but there is no, um, there's no coercion, there is no um, uh, tub thumping. We just say, here are the communications, this is what they're about, do you think they're for you? Thank you so much for being a clear channel, literally, for this work. It's a beautiful legacy to leave our planet. I believe you're reaching people now, like Mario and I, and, and the people that we share this book study with through the White Eagle Lodge, and so many more, and we'll continue reaching people with these powerful messages long after we're done drawing breath here. So I thank you and your entire team. The Band of Light, is that what you're called? 
The band of light, yes. Joseph's term for us, yes. Not, <laughs> not our name. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts that you'd like to leave us with concerning the process of how you put this together and what you're putting out there before we dive into the details in the magazine? I think we, we just find ourselves with a, a, a sole mission that will take up the rest of our days here. Uh, we, we're just hopeful that we remain healthy um, we remain of sound mind so that we can continue to do uh, what we're doing for, for as long as possible. We're also working to, to make sure that there's a mechanism whereby, as you've as you just said, Cheryl, when we leave this planet, the information is still available so that the, uh, the project, not project is the wrong word, the communications go on. They are still available uh, globally. We're also looking at uh, different countries at the moment. Uh, we are soon to to move into America in a bigger way, uh, to make people aware in America of the existence of the communications and to make the books available there. Uh, we have um, Spanish translations that are about to be printed, and we will promote those heavily. And we have the first Dutch book coming out in a few weeks' time. So the, the work continues. Uh, please God, we are able to continue it for as long as possible. And we're just delighted to be able to help you spread that message any way we can. So thank you for thank being you. with us today. Thank you, Cheryl. A great, great pleasure. Would you like to be a guest on Exploring Possibilities? Drop me a note at info at journeyofpossibilities.com. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities.